I'm not gonna lie, sometimes it's hard to focus on the photo chain. I liked how that story started, but I was worried about how to end it. I'm glad we could stop. Let's move on. So we have quite an exciting event this evening. Poetry night rings through. On Monday, August. On Monday, on Monday, August twenty-seventh. We said. Fifty-one poems lately is what I'm saying. So this poem, after the burial. Words have been said, well polished by use. Your name befriending. A sense of impotence made me muse as we laid the earth on the ultimate worth of all those things that men fear to lose here at an ending. What are we men but puling and small, fit for derision? When things seem fair, we see good in all, but utter a cry when we have to die, or griefs that will soon be forgotten fall past our provision. What are we men whose mind to life brings unpatterned gauges, whom sons may stir to imagining, who hold a mere chance of significance, and call the scratch on the surface of things wisdom of ages? What are we men who find in a face a secret glamour, who see in friendship some unknown grace, but a millpond wave or a stream in a cave that falls through the dark of a silent place in self-made clamor. W.H. Auden, ladies and gentlemen. Just a sweet baby when he wrote that poem. Yes, that is correct. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Jeff to our stage. This is a stutter. I hope that one day, brother, you will introduce your eyesight to that of a wild animal, and you each will pause for 60 seconds and sink into your paw prints and study the question, which of us is the real animal? I hope that one day, brother, you can pick my speed forgiveness out of the wind like, a lo like the lowest hanging apple I planted there decades ago, brother, and it has been mothered by the sunlight of the hope that someday we can enjoy a simple shared beer and brotherly debate over the best Batman movie. It has since grown just for you, a chance with a Jack Black painted number two in gigantic strokes across its chest, across my heart, brother. It's here awaiting you, brother, awaiting you like an elevator, headed to the place you're most frightened of stepping foot into. Its doors are open, its light dimming, da dimming down like a searchlight for a lost cause. So come in before its cables rust, before a child comes and pushes all the odd-numbered buttons, before a butter Ascalon comes and pisses in the corner of it. But come in before its hosting building burns slowly, quietly down the bloody hands of 
of time, like a dessert dinner candle, like self-confidence, like a parachuting star in the background of the moment you decided that your significance is meant to be searched for and ant-eaten cardboard boxes under the cobwebs in the corner of our parents' attic. But you did not squeeze the trigger. We can make this together, brother. Together, we can comprehend the mystery behind our own individual hungers and feed each other with with improvised jokes and the office references and pats on the back when girls don't appreciate our collective wit or untraveled imaginations or coy contributions to conversations we were not invited in. Together, we can lay face up on the same twin bed, fingers interlocked behind our resting heads, eyes caught in the same shape we mutually made in the shadows but scattered on the ceiling, me breathing in the air that you breathe out, and we can just stay silent. Like inseparable statues with faded descriptions, together we can take on each other, fight against something we think is bigger than us, but is actually just a mere thin film of self-concocted fear of some different kind of rejection we have not yet gotten drunk over. I was two days old when you first read me sleep, read me to sleep with Calvin and Hobbes. Dad was hiding with his video camera behind the crack of the bedroom door. You stuttered through the entire book. It took hours, but we made it to the end. But you never read to me again, not once. Now my friends ask me why I still have a VHS player when I only have one dusty, untitled film. Because things will go back to the way they were, I tell myself. Change is not always welcome here. Regardless, it seems to have forced itself in, cemented between you and I and us. Between awkward hallway glances and brotherly nods of what's up and passing. Between pushing each other emotionally and pushing, and pushing each other physically. Between fighting ourselves and fighting over the same girl in a bar, you'd win every time. You'd use that pickup line about how physics is so beautiful that it can explain exactly how a woman can be physically fulfilled by almost any random household object. Then you'd teach me how to use that line with a with with flawless, flawless lonely woman who just walked in. But I'd stutter on every word, and then she would backhand me across my jaw and storm out of the bar right past you, and you'd shrug your shoulders, arms out, and wonder where I went wrong, and you'd come to me and wrap your arm around the back of my neck and say, watch and learn, little brother, and you'd end up marrying her, and I'd give a speech at your wedding, and I would not stutter. For you, brother, I would not stutter. Thank you. Jeff, ladies and gentlemen, give him a hand. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lane to the stage. Oh, man. He always thinks I'm too tall. Michael Bradley. Yay. All right. Labyrinth Dream. We can hear him bellowing and snorting in the distance of the labyrinth. Maze where we are lost and doomed to perish. By the will of fabled Minos' death wish, fourteen of us, seven men and seven women, are the annual tribute Athens sends to feed to Minotaur, the man-bull. Monster said to be the child of unnatural, of the queen of Crete and dread Poseidon. Proxied by a bull the god had set on for the bearing of this dreadful offspring, all our hopes are centered now on one thing. Theseus, prince of Athens, is among us, ending Athens' yearly loss, his purpose. To this end he's pledged betrothal, secret, 
with the Princess Ariadne he'll get. Answers to the maze and sword in hiding, used to slay the monster with his fighting, not expected by the hideous man-beast, used to helpless youths and maids for his feast. For the seeming bull is fed on flesh by Minos for Poseidon's warship. Fourteen will die each and every year for shame of Athens, till this try by Theseus to make amends for the suffering of his native city. If he does not win, there'll be no pity, and I and twelve shall end up for his eating, for this monster in his maze awaiting. There's Lane reading his own, and Michael Bradley, give him a hand. Please welcome Lizzie to the stage. September clothesline. For you think it's only a clothesline, but let's let its anonymity go. Let's admit there's the line you see and the line you don't. Let's build a profile. You're a size too petite, your fibers natural, your waistband's elastic, your underwear practical. Your colors run cool like beach glass, blues and greens that whirl and eddy. But a long red dress breaks my projected pattern, trips me up like a loose step on the stairway. Your long red dress with your invisible head nodding to mythical music while yoga pants dance and inexplicable scarves full of the stars flap smoke signals from you to me. A lovely message from May. A lingering spring translation. Lovely holy cashmeres and two-buttoned cardigans climb the line like a stairway to December. Not as constant as the stars, but yet that dress. That long red dress with a blue refrain. That is Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen. Give her a hand. And keep it going. Please welcome the man behind the curtain, Boris, to the stage. Thanks. Listen, she howls the notes of war, and you will crawl bloodied to her across the fields of battle. She has carried you through times of flash flood and scarcity to come upon this juncture where all your failures may be redeemed. There is still time enough left to dig the trenches we will fill with poison gas and mortar fragments. Believe me. You long to fill my hands with iron and gunpowder, and they lie so very, very restless in my lap. Listen, you can hear them humming needlepoint slivers of want from out of the thin, thin air that let fly to exorcism a shower of silvery death in excess. There will not be a one of them spared. You have a choice. You who are not the guide, will you be the guardian? 
Will you don the leather anvils and gird your many loins against the coming of eternity cut short? You can promise only a hand to hold the dying embers and a coal juggler and a fire spitter. She howls the notes of war. Listen, you can hear them burning themselves and how she howls. Oh, she howls. Thanks. One of my older favorites is called For David Godwin. I've gone ghouling through graveyards at vigil on sick bed, wondering what it would be to be dead through lonesome pine forest held heavy my head with phantoms my fancy enraptured, with visions of corpses in fatal embrace seeking the means by which to erase sweet final moments, mortality's grace, forsaken the eidolon captured, the spirit disbanded, a bust made of wax, made molten in sunlight, the figure grown lax, till at last gone awry, sacrificed to the axe, which blithely the headsman doth wield. The body remaining disintegrate mud, rejected projection of sperm and hot blood, the cast-off remains of conceptual flood, in parting we unerringly yield with rancor or revel, and go to our ends unmolested by foes, and bereft of our friends, ushered alone long the path as it wends, last appointment, and leaves you there awed. In our moment of surcease, soul-taking flight, as all souls must do, into darkest of night, bowing at last, insurmountable light, grim death, thou art surely God. Thanks. That is Boris. Blowing my mind. My mind blown. Please welcome Matthew Doak to the stage. There's only one thing on my mind. What's the distance? Between you and I So I subtract a little space You let me in Without hesitation You ask me what to do I hold silence You turn off the lights So I see you in the glow Passion's fire Burning down below Let's take our time Let our bodies Do the talking for a while When the dance is through This fire Still burns for you Say, oh, it's been a while since somebody came and lit my fire. Remembered all the steps and found some new ones that I won't forget. And I love the way you taste like warm honey and chocolate on my tongue. Oh, the things you say. 
makes me want you more and more, more. Oh. 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 I'm done. <laughs> Doke, ladies and gentlemen, give him a hand, Matthew Doke. Would you please welcome the good doctor, Gary Wade, to our stage. Thank you. Uh, first one, a cover by David Budbill, one of my favorite poets from Vermont. Had a big influence on, on me back when I was beginning, a fleeting animal. When you abandoned everything and give yourself to me, when I abandon everything and give myself to you, we make a fleeting animal of such beauty, passionness, passion, nakedness, and grace that I am glad it slips away when we are done because this world is hurt and cruel and nothing that naive and loving and unashamed could possibly survive. And an invitation to Jake. You, full of your love for trains, should come tonight to Eldridge Heights, overlooking night-shined Bellingham Bay at the foot of the BNSF yard. Sit through the evening's passing while City Hall clock strikes the hours. Sit and feel the smell of hyacinths around the fountain. Listen to the waxing churn of moting, motive power, protesting squeals of Westinghouse brakes, the meeting clash of iron knuckles on the rolling tread of steel on steel. Hear the hard ding of monotone bells and nervous outlate laughter of young women crossing the dewy grass of Elizabeth Park under the sharp, wailing, mating moans of switch engines. Dr. Gary Wade, professional trainologist, a doctor of trains. Please, <laughs> woo -woo. Please welcome Ryan to the stage. So this first one's called... For harboring sex terrorists never was a felony. No one can blame you, sweet one, for allowing the gremlins to touch you harder than they should, or even for letting them cut you, telling yourself you had so much blood it needed to be spilled. All I'm saying, lovely, is maybe you should take more than a fast glance at who your friends are and who your lovers are, and maybe you should wonder why there's such a discrepancy between the two. That is Ryan. Give him a hand. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Keith to the stage.
This next poem is from excerpts from my father's World War II journal. He was on the uh, on a carrier in the Pacific, and uh, this is dated June nineteenth, nineteen forty four. And I quote: "It was a hot day. I mean hot. I was wringing wet from sweat. Now the totals for the day. It's called heat at the center." Pilots depart, no drill, quickly above rising heat. Beyond the heaving prow, the sparkling horizon, leaving sailors to fry above the griddle deck. Air lifts favoring planes, but giving no brief stir of breeze to these to ease the sailors' grief. Dad watches the planes, reduced rapidly to black specks, yet feels their tug as though miniatures in the Sunday park, buzzing in arcs, hot, whirring engines darting like flies, without perch, without peace until fuel expires, or he tires. Sweat is not Medal of Honor stuff. The brow awash, the hands hauling flak rounds up toward the turret's shade, or the stink building to miasma to discourage the lately midshipman from contact with sailor blue, society's microcosm at war. The returning flies align, fuel permitting, crowding the griddle, ravenous to quit the sky's deep hole purring like loyal cats, retching the day's fear in sight of all. Dad tallies the numbers, not to dispute the admiral, but just in search of inconsistencies. Thank you. That's Keith, ladies and gentlemen. First time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Tiffany to the stage. Tiffany Goodrow. It's Mark Anderson's poem. It's called Late Nights Praying. We spent a lot of late nights praying. Even if we don't believe in God, we spend a lot of late nights praying, even when we don't know what we want. We want to know what we want. We want someone to hold us in their palm wide open, warm, all-knowing and forgiving. We want sin. We want redemption, spelled out in capital letters, R-E-D-E-M-P-T-I-O-N. We want salvation, written across our foreheads in cursive, in gold, lined with the silver lining of rain clouds. We want hope in the forms of promises. We want to make good on our promises. If only the storm clouds would let up over Eden and the great flood would subside. I am tired of evolving gills. Take up your shovel to plant me like a Darwin fish so I may grow into a tree that has learned to live in uncertain waters. We spend a lot of late nights praying but not all of life's mysteries can be solved in whispers, and not everything true can be said in words. Quoting scripture is not a contest. And if you know Latin, Bible just means book. Heaven doesn't go into the highest bidder or to the biggest bigot who is old and calloused and racist and bitter. My God would have more than one son and would take 
more than one week to create the world. He would spend six billion years to get your eyes right. And if we wanted to tell, sorry, and if he wanted to tell us the whole truth, he would never finish writing. Do not give me books with less than infinite pages because there are more than 10 things that are wrong to do and more than seven deadly sins. And sometimes I think the madman living alone out in the woods is only, is the only one who knows where wisdom begins. And I wonder if my God would think that sometimes too. Don't get me wrong. Believe in God if you believe in God. Just do not give your God a name. A rose by any other name would still smell as sweet, but my God's name would be infinite and infinitesimal, alpha and almighty rolled into one and abstracted from itself, leaving zeros and fractals spiraling into everything and nothing. Do not ask me to pronounce this. Do not paint him a beard, no matter how light your brush strokes are. Do not threaten thunderbolts from the sky. Do not tell me of his wrath. Do not paint me a God who can lie. Paint me a blank canvas and tell me to see through it. Do not give me 72 virgins when a single soulmate will do. Do not give me angels in the clouds or demons down below. Do not tell me lust is wrong when love and lust are all I know. Good intentions should be good enough. We spend a lot of late nights trying to find meaning, trying to fill that hole cut out of our chests because we won't be able to sleep soundly until it is full. And I've tried to stuff God into this hole, only I'm not sure if he fits. Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. Socrates would have said, I think, therefore I do not know what I am. Spell out salvation in doubt, in doubt for me because my God would understand that. Thank you, guys. Good night. Tiffany Gaudreau, reading Mark Anderson. So ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Laura to the stage. Thank you, Robert. This underground fire covers the forest floor, eats 40 centimeters down into the moss. Take a clove of raw garlic. Chew it slowly. Gather scars from the sun in summer. Claim heat rashes from winter morning showers. In spring, give me no cold water. Give me no milk. Only debreeding in the fall, this gnawing will hold the door so far open for a phantom who prefers windows. I will only know the tree roots are dead by the sound of trunks falling. Smell the stench of garlic, not feeling its stated ingestion. Touch the scars without hearing stories, and see red calves reflect in the mirror. Sense breath shorten in the thick smoke of something like a secret. Have no name for it. Have no time for it. Have nothing but the charred evidence of it. Thank you. Miss Jones, Laura Jones, ladies and gentlemen.
So what y'all think? Yeah. yeah. Pretty good show. Into it. Thank <laughs> you.